Hello and welcome to another edition of Turn Out a Punk Footnotes. I'm one of your hosts, Damian Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend, my pal, my Chris O'Toole. Chris, how are you doing? I'm good, Dame. How are you doing? Good. I didn't want to share you with anyone this week. <laughs> yes, good point. You weren't, you weren't their friend, too. You were just mine. <laughs> it's funny that that was a week ago already. It, it flew by. It, it feels like it's, yeah, like it feels like time is uh, very much appreciating in value mm-hmm. as we hurtle through life. You know, it's amazing also how everything now feels like it exists in one time frame. You know, like I was thinking today, in fact, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I was remember when that happened. And then I'm like, oh, that was 20 years ago, 20 years ago that actually happened, you know, and I was remembering it like it was yesterday. Yeah, I've had a little bit of that kind of thing lately is just not realizing quite how sort of far removed I am from certain years of activity, particularly music playing, I guess, would be more the way to frame it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's like, cause, uh, in our timeline, the time cop failed (laughs) and the villains come back here and fucked up the timeline. We're just jumping around constantly now. I always have thoughts in my head that when I think about certain things in the past, I can't believe that they're they're not speaking to your time cop theory. This this works perfectly. Um, where it's things I've experienced like prior in some capacity, be it you know places I visited or or things like things I had done, thinking like I can't believe this wasn't twenty years ahead of now. Mm-hmm. And how did that happen 10, 15 years ago? And it seems so like not that ba- it seems backward now, but it just seems like. Have you ever had that where you experience something that's like, again, in your past that you feel is like so much more the future than present, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, definitely. Like that, like a time, I don't know, disassociation, maybe yeah. temple disassociation. Yeah, it just, um, I, yeah, certainly I've experienced that. Like, and it's, once again, it's, it's the loopers failed and, yeah. and, uh, they fucked up the timeline. They did. I think uh, I think you're onto something there because that's what it feels like frequently to me lately. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely like a sci-fi film gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. Dystopic future. We're living in too many movies at once. Yeah, this is true. Idiocracy. I didn't even <laughs> like Idiocracy. That's the worst part about living in it. <laughs> the irony of that movie is I'm with you. I don't think it's a great movie, but no. I think it's, conceptually it's a great idea. And, uh, well, actually, sadly, a very realistic idea. I think it's obviously an extreme version, but yeah, but we're definitely living in it. That's for sure. (laughs) You ask yourself how extreme it is when we're talking about President Rock. Well, exactly. You know, I I don't, I I just think like, because, you know, anyone who's seen the movie knows what we're talking about. It's, it's very, you know, it goes to the nth degree of that, of, of exploring that idea. But, um, but yeah, as a movie, I don't think it's great, but I think it's a great like concept. But uh, yeah, the movie I didn't think was too exceptional. No, the movie's not as good as a concept. Yeah. It's no office space. No, exactly. Which is a great movie. It's and a great it's, movie. It's, it's yeah. got some really cool stuff in it. Yeah, agreed. You know. And uh, it has, like, it's got some cornball stuff, 
as I got, I got some cornball stuff. Got yeah, some stuff that's like, like kind of the yeah. whole angle with like the 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 love interest and all that. I think is a pretty weak story to be honest. But but yeah, the rest of it's fantastic. Yeah, there's definitely you know some some stuff in it that you could tell was probably a studio being like, you know what this needs. <laughs> yeah, true. More friends. <laughs> More friends. You know, yeah. can you write? Jennifer Aniston. How about Joey? Is there a place for Joey in your movie? <laughs> the irony is I think she's been great in some recent comedy. She's amazing. Right? She's... But I don't think in that movie she doesn't play well. I don't know what it is. Who would have thought that she would be the most successful out of all? Actually, they've all. Phoebe, too. Phoebe did that amazing show a couple years ago on HBO. Yeah, what is it called? Uh Jeez, I gotta look that up. It's not called Turned Out a Fucking HBO Series, right? No. So we don't have to worry about fucking. It's got this some one. weird, like, ambiguous name. Like, ugh, I'm trying to give me a moment. I'll get it. Anyway, this is a funny way to start off the show. Take take us away, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Do your plugs. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on various forms of social media at Lefford Damien. Uh, there is also an email address for this podcast, turn it punk footnotes at gmail.com. There is a producer and he's my brother and his name is Tristan Abraham. And he does a Facebook page for this thing. You can find that on Facebook and an Instagram for this thing at turn it punk on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's, that's, those are the plugs that we have right now. There'll probably be more in the future. Perfect timing because uh, the show is the comeback. But yes, the comeback—that's it. And there's like two se- two series of that. Yeah, it's like the original run, and then, then they did like a whatever, a, like a comeback thing. Ironically enough. Yeah, and uh, also uh, shout out to Vans for uh, you know supporting this podcast. And that's 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 it. You know, that's all we got for the plugs. Uh, Chris, how do they get in touch with us here at this podcast? Yeah, you can reach us here at turnoutapunkfootnotes at gmail.com. And we have um, an all footnote, pardon me, footnotes, all mailbag episode in the near future. So, yes, we do. Please write us with all of your uh, anecdotes and concerns or questions, and we'll try to uh, get through them all. We've got a couple kind of specials coming up in the future, like footnotes related specials that um, we'll, we'll take. Chris and I to uh, different different uh, conversation points with different people. All mailbag one, another uh, special episode coming up in the near future. Maybe another one coming up in the near future. So there's some stuff coming up. Nice. Uh, and that's that's you know an ambiguous enough tease that I think we can leave it there. <laughs> Frustrating everyone. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's I guess not talk about the mailbag this week because we're going to be saving that. Yeah. And I think we're just going to dive in. Yeah, sure, man. What do you want to start off with? Uh, all right. So we are talking about Phil and Mike from the TV series, the creators of the TV series, Animals, I should say, a very funny show on the HBO network. There's also clips on YouTube if you don't have HBO. Uh, and you can check out this show, which is, yeah, you know, really good, really, really funny. And, like, I know it's good in comedy when my cousin Garland, uh, who played in the band No Joy, as has been brought up on the show before, uh, <laughs> hits me up and says, oh, my gosh, you got blah, blah, blah from this world of comedy on the show. Because he knows comedy in the same way that I know uh, weird, obscure records. 
<laughs> gotcha. He is like into comedy. He is like a comedy obsessive person. And so when he's into something comedy wise, I know I did good by the world of comedy. Uh, so yeah. And I love the show too. Chris, have you seen it? I've seen uh, episodes of the first season, so I'm not sure how much it's changed since, but it's kind of funny that you had them on because I noticed uh, I watched some of the other shows on that network recently, and it, it sort of pairs with them in the lineup. Yeah. And I've been meaning my, – my only issue is I've just been meaning to catch up on the show basically. But yeah, because there is it. that narrative that kind of goes throughout the series. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a fantastic show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I – uh, you know, the third series is airing right now and, uh, yeah, like, go, sorry, go on, Chris, I cut you off. No, no, it's all good. I just, I, I dig it. I just haven't, uh, I'm not near caught up, but it's, uh, it's decent. Like I definitely saw it early on whenever it first kind of aired and, uh, but I've since lost track with it. But again, after the interview, I'm going to get back on track. Yeah. And like, once again, it shows that there is a punk influence even running through, you know, HBO comedies. <laughs> true. Yeah. You know, who, who knew, who knew, you know, there was someone on the Sopranos that was like in a hardcore, right? Uh, what's her uh, name? I can't remember. Gabriella, I think was her character's name. She was like a hardcore kid. I remember that being going around. People were talking about that back in the day. I do. I don't remember this, but okay. Possibly. You don't remember the, that? uh, well, you know, not punk inherently related, but what's his face from, uh, Springsteen's band who can get a nod. Oh uh, yeah, uh, uh, Sil. But I can't yeah. remember. A little, <laughs> little, little Steven. Little Steven. There we go. Yeah, little little Stevie. But as far as like jam- outright punks, I don't know what even. Uh, no, it wasn't that show. I was going to say it wasn't David Johansson on that show too, but it was actually Oz. It wasn't uh, Sopranos. Oh, uh, David Johansson and well, if we're going into Oz, well, tons of people on Oz. John yeah. Joseph. John Joseph. Uh, Evan from Biohazard. Yeah. Um, I can't even remember them all. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot on that. You're right. Um, Which is pretty sick. Yeah, totally. Great show. A great, great show. And, uh, you know, much much like this, there's a lot of musical stuff that comes in this. It's, like, amazing when you go through the list of people that have been on the show. Yeah, see, like, that's one thing I was unaware of when that came up in the interview. At least the ones I saw, I didn't either notice the whatever guest voices or whatever but so you said iggy pop mascus is there any like who else that uh is from the world like that that's kim gordon oh really nice yep rupaul sick Uh, that's like so what are they playing like different animal characters is that the idea or like what all different some of them some of them are playing themselves like ty seagal was on playing himself kurt val played himself on the show Oh, okay. You know, like there's, there's like, you know, but then, and then some cases it's like different people on, um, like, you know, playing or sorry, playing different characters, I should say. Sorry. I just got thrown off. Like, yeah, I forgot they had like a crossover with family guy. Animals did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like some, I try to remember, I don't watch family guy, so I didn't really know, but I remember like, oh yeah, they had some characters on. Crazy. I didn't know that. That's. Seems big time, big time. Yeah, like well, you know, like that's the cool thing about this show, and I think the cool thing about these these you know Phil and and Mike is the fact that like they have these people on, but then at the same time they also have like Bill fucking Callahan on. Yeah, that like 
That uh, <clears throat> that was funny when they were talking. I thought their their idea of music selections was more of the um, what I was most surprised by. Like they mentioned, obviously using your song, which I thought was cool. But the just them talking about doing putting that men's song as like they say it was the main, but some theme they used. And I thought that's wild. Yeah, like I didn't. I would. I just assume most shows you don't have like. At least, perhaps, as like the creators or whatever, you don't necessarily have the greatest control over like the music. Not in my experience. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, that's not what I was referring to, but yeah, fair enough. But uh, yeah, so it was just kind of neat to hear that they seemed to like basically pick exactly what they wanted, which is cool. Yeah, like it's it's I don't know a testament to like doing your own thing and making sure that there's like eventually a point where. You know, like people have to do, you know, follow your vision. Yeah. And, and it's like, I think it helps that they probably, you know, they, that they have Demi Moore on and they have like, you know, like the, the John, not maybe not John Lovitz, but (laughs) no, just on John Lovitz, but Jonah Hill on. And like, they have these sorts of stars, but that they also wind up getting, you know, the like they get away with having Bill Callahan on and, and, and having a fucked up song on the show. And uh you know, former Turnitin Punk alumni Fred Armisen was on the show as well. Nice. Yeah, I think um I think it just goes to show though that the way the media landscape is now that things are not quite as uh <clears throat> whatever divided as they were, you know, not to say there weren't shows that did have some of these things even like a decade or two ago, but like to the degree of like it exists now, that cross pollination I think is very a lot more of like a, a common thing these days. Not to say that every show does it, of course, but um, I don't know. It's just it's the it's a lot easier. It's seemingly to get away with doing a show like this that's actually got sort of respectful nods and respectful appearances and stuff, rather than being like a a very one off episode of one season of a show or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, Harmony Curtin was did a voice, Chris. Nice. It's like uh, I clearly got to catch up on the show because I, I that's one thing I was not aware of. The ones I saw, I, th- I think I saw like two or three of the first season. I really liked them, but I just never, just didn't remember to like keep up with it. And then I, I didn't hear of the show for a minute, which actually speaks to the in the interview when they said they had like that hiatus period. <clears throat> or whatever, just when they were doing the show, it took however long. And so that I just assumed it, it, it was not coming back or something. Yeah. Like I, I think there was that break they t- allude to between the second and the third season and yeah. man, maybe it was getting these schedules aligned because Holy shit. Like, it's just like, it just doesn't end like all the guest people they've had. Andy Richter, Chris, <laughs> I think, um, Having a show like this, I think, is cool in the sense of having any kind of like show where you can use animation and like have voiceovers. I think is like one of my favorite. Uh, I'm just always envious of that because I like people who do these like. And for me, like a voice over part or whatever you want to say, a voice cameo is so much like it's not cooler than seeing the the actor do a cameo necessarily. But I don't know; it just seems a lot more uh, versatile or something. I always like that when shows are able to pull it off. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like having, I don't know. It's, and it's also, there's like a a mystery, you know, like, it's like, who is that? Was that that person doing that voice? Mm -hmm. Like, did you know 
I call bullshit on this, but I was listening to the radio today in the car with the kids and Lauren on the way to drop the kids off at school. And they're on the radio saying that it was like a secret that Michael Jackson did the voice for the character of Michael Jackson, who wasn't really Michael Jackson on the Simpsons. Okay. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> we got to rewind that one back. Okay. So sorry. The real Michael Jackson you're saying did a voice on the Simpsons. Yeah. Remember that episode where, uh, Homer goes to the institution and meets a, a person who purports to be Michael Jackson. And okay. I, I do not, but okay. he's a big white guy. Okay. You don't remember this? No, but I mean, depending on the era of Simpsons, I was out. I was out pretty, like... This is like, in the day, dude. This is, like, back in the day. This is, like, golden era Simpsons. It could, again, I just either don't remember or it was when I wasn't watching anymore, but yeah. Anyway, oh, sorry, on the radio, they're saying this, this is, like, a secret that it was actually really Michael Jackson. Like, no one knew until recently, and that Matt Groening finally confirmed it. And I was like, everyone knew that. Like, I knew that back as I was a little kid, and I didn't know shit. <laughs> I don't remember anything about this, but I think that's hilarious. I don't know about keeping it a, a secret, but I think that's a funny, uh, it's a funny uh, ploy or whatever. Good thing this isn't turned out a uh, millhouse, because we would be in some serious negotiations after this podcast if we need to continue the fact that you haven't seen this episode of The Simpsons. <clears throat> Not that I can remember, but I, you know, Simpsons are great, but... Uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm desensitized to the Simpsons. I no longer need to watch it. No, I, uh, I, I think you need to watch this episode. This is like classic TV, but anyway, we digress back to the cartoon at hand. Moby did a voice, Chris. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the Moby thing was also an interesting, well, even like Tim Heidecker I'm seeing here, I'm just looking at everybody. Yeah. There. Yeah, there is a ton of people. Yeah. It's not Will, Will Oldham. <laughs> I know. Like they, they really did have it for like somber early 2000s songwriters they've got you know probably the two of the greats you know bill callahan and will oldham yeah yeah this is nuts Even will like, oldham comes up again you know like the guy that knows every single misfits lyric <laughs> which is so fun <laughs> so like, amazing yeah <laughs> that's the that's one of the best factoids that anyone can learn from the turn of the punk i guess would be footnotes or was that on the main show that no, was in the main but, show where he yeah. where he yeah. said it He's like, God damn it. That is, if anyone wants to know and you have not listened to Dave Paho one, uh, you got to go back and check that out because, yeah, there's some fun stuff in that episode. Yeah. Basically, as I'm looking over this IMDb appearances, it's uh, every everybody has done a voice on the show. Yeah, it's nuts. It's really everyone in comedy, like Rachel Ray, Whoopi Goldberg, Big Boy. I'm just wondering, like, hopefully one day you will get one. I feel like you you need to be on this. Uh, yeah, me. Uh, that'd be cool. I'd be really stoked. You know, like, I definitely think in this company though, I would be like, they'd be like, and who the fuck is Damien Abraham? Yeah, but I'm sure those same people were like, you know, who is Ty Siegel? Who is whomever? Like, whoever else they didn't know. Killer Mike. They've had a lot of good fiascos on this thing. You're Honestly. you're definitely your profile is enough where you you could you could be on there based on some of the guests they've had. Well, I appreciate that, Chris, and and hopefully they share your vision. And one day <laughs> you see me on there doing the voice of a uh, insect or uh, <laughs> some other type of animal, a rodent, perhaps, yeah. and uh, a large. Uh, uh, 
porpoise, maybe. <laughs> That's an interesting choice, but okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to cover my bases that I can, I'm versatile. I can play any animal they need me to play. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> you know, whatever they need. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a fun show. It's definitely worth, uh, definitely well worth you going back and watching the other seasons. Cause you know, it's, it's a, it's a very, it's like a unique show too. And it's, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And so to find out that they were in a punk was great. Yeah, the I thought that when you when you started talking about that, I thought it was interesting that they were actually in bands and and whatnot. Like, I don't know. Like, I just never assume that, and probably very incorrectly that you know people that do TV or do something else are not you know involved in multiple things or were not ever. Mm-hmm. So it's always like, oh, they're in bands too, and they were like you know, and not necessarily in in the kind of groups I would probably enjoy, but still kind of neat that they were. <laughs> a part of whatever, like the, the, the varied history, like even when they're speaking about Brooklyn broadly and you're like, yeah, you know, I have a, you know, a ve- like a, a re- an adjacent familiarity, familiarity, pardon me, to the world they discuss. And just like, you know, it's, it's, and they gotta be our, about our age, probably younger, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're, I think they're like a few years younger than us. Yeah. You know. So, you know, it's, it's, it's familiar. It's it's strange seeing people that do these kind of things as like peers rather than, you know, people that are like untouchable or something. Yeah. Like I think also here's two guys that just kind of did their own thing and made it that way. It's not like they were like, you know, working on other shows and like, you know, going through those channels. They like carve their own path by making this short. Yeah, I'm always I'm always envious of that because you figure in this day and age when there's so much content, how do you you know how do you get that notice to be able to get that opportunity? That's where I I think if I were interested in doing something like that, I, that's where I would probably fail out of the get go because I would just assume that it would never be seen or whatever. But uh, yeah, very cool. Yeah, like I think it would be you know like that's the thing. It it, it is if it gets seen by the right people. Mm-hmm. You know, in this day and age, you can find your audience. You know, you're just getting in front of the right people first is, is always the hardest part. Um, and I guess that's why, you know, having, having uh, you know, a, a network like HBO behind it kind of probably helps. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's, it is also having a great show, I think, that helps really ultimately win people over and, and get people on board. Uh, I thought it was... Actually, when you were talking about that, it made me think, who's the the best in comedy and music? Like, who's someone who's, like, in both worlds and just killing it? Hmm. Well. Because I think Carrie Brownstein is, is number one. For me, her and Fred are very, very great. But, like, he, like, his, you know, uh, no disrespect to Trenchmouth. But like his comedy scene yeah. was not happening at the same time. Good, good point. Good save there. Yeah, I did. As I said, then you're right. Her musical accomplishments are are uh, extremely noteworthy. So perhaps, yeah, a greater consideration there. Um, and she could switch over at any time. She's like Bo Jackson. <laughs> Very you know, true. she's not yeah. she's not Michael Jordan playing baseball. You know, before going back to basketball again, you know, like but playing in the minors yeah. or something yes. like that. She's like Bo Jackson level. Like she's playing, 
she's headlining festivals and, and, yeah, and I, you know, doing TV. I agree that neither seems a step down or up, which is important. Whereas the, the baseball is a massive step down for Jordan historically. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, despite all the baseball fans right now probably being very angry. It, and it led to a cool card. <laughs> True, yeah. I think what you like, yeah, the Bo Jackson is a greater analogy or like the Deion Sanders or what have you, something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, she's very good. That's a great call off the, like I immediately think of that because I'm just thinking of the people who are in comedy who are also in music. Um. Hmm. Yeah, she's really. That's a really good one. The more I think about how, I think actually, and again, that show was popular. Portlandia, of course, we're speaking of, and her band uh, or bands, uh, but her obviously the primary group people are familiar with her from, which is Sleater Kinney, certainly popular enough. But I still think, uh, given this metric, I think she's kind of underrated, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, like I think so too, because I think. You know, she like people that know her in comedy. Uh, you know, like a lot of them obviously are familiar with Sleater Kinney. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like there's probably a huge swath that have no idea. And I would say by the same token, there's probably people that have no time for comedy that love Sleater Kinney. As yeah, well as people I, that do love comedy loving Sleater Kinney too. But I mean like yeah, the people that just like yeah. don't like Portlandia or whatever. Yeah, which I don't get. It's an excellent show. But, it's a great show. Um, Holy shit, do I buy laugh at that show? Yeah, it's great. The full run is excellent too. But um, R.I.P. to that show as well. But, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of people that are in music that are like really, really in comedy. I'm trying to think of like what are other examples you could think of? Because I, I'm trying to like I'm struggling to think of anybody that's actually like. We gotta we gotta broaden it up, and then we could go Chris Christopherson. <laughs> okay you know wow. that um, was a left turn <laughs> we're gonna then we're gonna go the bacon the bacon brothers what's the bacon brothers music um well let's just say carrie's still winning this one um well, of course there's also bruce willis and like his blues is like yeah, but bruce willis like comedy like what are you talking you're, you're no really i'm just broadening it up now i'm just saying like it's just oh, okay. now I, like people in acting I got you. Okay. You know. I'm like, yeah, these, these are not the comedy things are the part I'm struggling with. Like, thinking of comedians, but I'm thinking none of them are the, um, like not at part. the same time. Todd Berry did play in that amazing band, um, but not at the same time doing comedy, I don't think, uh, as well. What we, was the amazing band Todd Berry was in? Oh, fuck. Mm. Oh, this, I can't remember what it's called, but it's really, it's really sick. It's on the resource. Um, it's like some indie band from like the mid eighties. Okay. Uh, let me see. Todd Berry Discogs. Yeah, the Chant. The Chant. Okay. I yeah, they it. had like a bunch of records, but the the one from like eighty five is pretty fucking sick. What is it called? What What is this record? Uh, it's called. Uh, uh, three sheets to the wind. Okay, and they do. I think they do a cover of the of the Nightcrawler's "Little Black Egg" on it. That's really right. good. Okay, so there's which Nightcrawler are you referring to? There's you know, the, "Little Black Egg." I think it's the same song the Pagans do. Okay, but it's, it's like, like a classic garage rock song. I ask about. Okay, so it's different. Like, yeah, because there's like 
there's another Nightcrawlers. That's why I was like, it can't be that other one. There's like a Philly, like electronic kind of ambient Nightcrawlers. No, no, no. This band's like, okay. this band sounds to me like, like almost like they could have been, uh, you know, like a, a lost band on, um, on uh, uh, Flying Nun. Okay, I get, you. Yeah, I get what you mean. Like it's kind of like '80s twee. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he played on that first record from '85. That's Sick. pretty great. What does he do? Is he like drummer? I believe. He... Okay. Because infamously, know? he's hilarious. Like on the Flight of the Concord, speaking of another show, his like musical, <laughs> like he's playing the bongos on the one track or whatever. He doesn't play on the second album, but the drummer on the second album looks remarkably like my aforementioned cousin Garland. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this I want to get this Three Sheets of the Wind record. It's so, real sick. Speaking, while well, we're talking about the musical involvement of whatever actors, comedy, whatever the metric was you brought up, um, what, uh, okay, so let's parse, like, if we're switching gears, this idea of, well, I'm just trying to think of how you have it written here. Finding out the composer from your show was in Shudder to Think. Yeah. So which member is this again? Uh, that was, uh, what's his name? Oh my gosh, now i got to look it up. Is it Adam? Chris? Which guy is it? Uh, why didn't I write down the name? <laughs> when I normally take these notes, it's very late at night. So that was, oh, I should say that excuses the, the typing on a lot of this stuff, too, because there's a lot of typos, because... Once again, I'm writing those notes a little late at night sometimes. Uh, who was it? Adam. Yeah, Adam Wade. And so that wasn't, you were saying he was in a bunch of other stuff too, wasn't it? Oh, Jealous Sound. You mentioned this right. Jealous Sound, Shutter to Think, Sweet 75, and Jawbox. Wow. Yeah. So they didn't realize. <laughs> who he was or whatever when they had worked with him initially on the show? No. Wow. That's a cool find. Yeah, that's nuts. You know, he was in like a lot of cool bands, <laughs> you know, like certainly, certainly, uh, it, you know, probably has some good stories. There's even a group here that you didn't mention. I'm just looking now. Leslie. Yeah, that's on J tree. Yeah, which is like the 29th, uh, whatever, entry on the on the resource. But yeah, JTree put it at 93. I wonder what this is. Uh, oh, it's only a single. Okay. Yeah. So, who are the members here? Nathan Larson. Who is he in? Uh, Shudder to think as well. Oh, he's in Swizz. Wild. Yeah. So he was in Swizz. And, and then the guy from Edsel. Ah, okay, that's what that is then. Yeah. I remember that record. I was trying to remember what it sounded like. Yo, he's in New Wet Kojak too. That's cool. The dude in Edsel was a New Wet Kojak. I didn't know that. That's cool. Those New Wet Kojak records are great. That's like a, the Girls Against Boys kind of side project thing. Oh, yeah. I kind of remember that band too. And he's on the... Yeah, the first one, which is the Touch and Go record from 95. I'm just looking up. Oh, no, he's on both. Yeah. Or whatever, all three records. That's sick. Or four, as it were. I didn't even know about this last one. 
from uh, what record? 2003. They put on another one. Holy. Anyway, cool band. Sidebar. But um, yeah, it's just it's funny when you think of like you know whatever someone does that kind of work for a show and then you find out they've been involved with all this other stuff. You know what we also got to talk about? We also got to talk now that we're talking about him because yeah. I don't know when the next time it's going to come up, but is they don't get paid, they don't get laid, but boy, do they work hard. The DIY compilation that Max Rock and Roll put out that Jawbox is featured on. Okay. What what uh, what about it specifically? Okay, well, like, kind of a cool track list of bands because, like, you know, uh, Amnemity would feature... Um, f- uh, f- uh, from Sun, uh, Greg from Sun, yeah. Price and a Crutch would have featured Nate from the Foo Fighters, yeah. Uh, Nausea is of course fucking sick, <laughs> yeah, and it's nausea, yeah. Um, and this is the New York nausea. Um, even though the California Nas would would also be sick, but like Nausea is a band that should need no introduction. Uh, mm-hmm. Also features that obscure weird band Apocalypse that I seem to have a bunch of records by. I don't know them. Kind of crusty band, but uh, you know, also features Screeching Weasel. <laughs> yeah, a Jawbox, and then the most interesting. Oh, Descent. But then the most interesting <laughs> band on the compilation. I know me. where you're going. Downfall. Oh, that's not where I thought you were going. But anyway, where did you think I was going? I thought you were going to talk about Bazooka Joe. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I like Bazooka Joe. I got that single, but um, also uh, I should mention that Cringer featured Jay Church, I believe, right? That you got me there too. I don't know. Um, But anyway, this Downfall band is fascinating to me. This is the Lost Lookout record that never came out. Um, they were only on a bunch of compilations. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Okay. And, uh, yeah, like are probably like the most interesting band. There's a bootleg, uh, and that came out in 1994. And then there was supposed to be this, like, and apparently, I don't know if there were labels printed for it. Cause I know there were labels printed for a couple lookout records that didn't come out, but yeah, this record never came out. And it is, it is the post operation Ivy band. The first Jesse was out of the band at this point, but it featured everyone else um, as well. It's uh, it's really cool. It's like a really fascinating kind of like note in Berkeley music history, I think, or Bay Area music history. It's bizarre to me that this never has never really seen the light of day. Still, it doesn't seem to make any sense. A lot of people have speculated as to why, like. You know, maybe they weren't happy with it in the end or something like that. But yeah, like there's these songs on these comps and it did also feature Josh Hammond, Chris, of the band Breakaway. <laughs> nice. Well, I had no idea it was also in Dance All Crashers. <laughs> wow. I'm uh, looking at the band photo by Downfall, by the way, from some ad, seemingly. Or no, a demo looks like whatever this is. Anyway, it's a band photo, and it has all the the, the band members listed as well. And it has for Tim Armstrong, it has Lint Armstrong. Yeah. So yeah, he was. This is his like band where he's singing it. I don't know. Someone told me that I think I remember even there having a video or seeing a video of them playing one time with him uh, singing in it. Uh, it like. Yeah, there's only this comp. This is actually the insert for that 
uh, they don't get paid, they don't get laid comp. Oh, it's okay. That's why. There's the the three songs, four songs. Wait, one, two, three, four songs that are out there. Nuts. And then there's also apparently this like unreleased lookout record. Yeah, which again, still can't believe that doesn't exist, but okay. Well, it exists, but not released or whatever. Yeah, cool. But yeah, I didn't, uh, I believe we may have talked about this, that band before, but I, it escapes me every time till we, till we uncover that. <laughs> but uh, even, I'm just looking here. No, I got it confused. I was like, this band Libido Boys, who was also on the comp, I thought was the Ween side project, but it's not. No, I always get that fucking confused with the Ween side project, too. What's Isn't the Ween? That, I think it's Moist Moist Boys, Boys yeah. I always get Libido Boys and Moist Boys confused, too. Yeah, so I was about to, to drop that knowledge, and then I failed miserably mid-research. Uh, mid but, um, yeah, it's a weird... It's <laughs> These comps are so strange, because it's like... Screeching Weasel just seems like such a weird fit on all of them at least yeah you know, like i realize and it's this buds for me which is i believe also on bugada i think is it or would have come this come out first i guess no 89 i don't know no. let's see no well what is uh bugada is not considered an lp on here oh no it is sorry 88 um, hmm. No, it's not on that. Maybe I heard this off of that uh, Kill the Musicians comp. Yeah, I think it might be on that Kill the Musicians CD. Yeah. Either way, okay, so it's not it's not a uh, whatever. Uh, it's an exclusive track, seemingly. Unless it's on one of the early singles or something I'm not noticing, but... <clears throat> like way. Ben was a contributor, man. He had a column back then. Yeah, that's true. I get like that doesn't that makes sense, but just like sonically, it just seems always strange to see them paired in hindsight. Um, I think it's because like they became something else, but like it's that weird moment before you know, like where Martin took all the pictures in the first Screeching Weasel record, like Martin yeah. from Crudos, right? Like it's. It's like they existed. They're on his that first hardcore comp that he put out. Yeah, no, no. Like I, I get it. It just still seems bizarre. Back to the whole like weird time, like disrupt idea of like. It seems like this this kind of open mindedness of a of a son like a group like that being included is like like the future version of what should have happened. Like it seems like early on this should not have happened or what have you. But yeah, it's I, I know what you're saying because they were whatever. There was like history there, clearly. But it uh it still blows my mind. It just doesn't seem it's just it's always struck me as odd. It's like bands like uh I'm trying to think of another band like this. I think Screeching Weasel is one of those bands that always get like even the fact that they have a split with Born Against is weird to me. Yeah. But that came, I think, out of like legit friendship back then, right? Sure. But I mean, again, that's another thing that just seems so bizarre like it just doesn't it seems like it shouldn't exist <laughs> yeah it does you know yeah. what i mean like it just but yeah like and i I, lo- I love that it does but it's just it's i don't know like I, I there's aspects of this that i feel are that this is of a bygone era of which we talk about on the show frequently 
<clears throat> but yeah. Yeah, like it definitely does feel like it's from a, a, you know, like that's the like, you know, like now there's like defined pop punk scene, defined hardcore scenes. Like I'm sure there is crossover that does happen. You know, like look at Culture Abuse. You know, that's a band that I think walks a lot of different lines. You know, as far mm-hmm. as like where they sit musically. You know, like they're comfortable playing with Trapped Under Ice, and they're comfortable playing with like. You know, I don't know. I don't really know that much about pop punk, but like it's a massive pop punk band, you know, like they're and then they're also comfortable playing with fucking rancid, you know, like they can they're one of those bands that can exist in lots of worlds. But, yeah, I don't know if it happens in DIY the same way. Yeah, and I think I mean, part of it's due to my ignorance of, of groups that are like sonically like this now, but contemporary groups like that. But yeah, culture boost what little I know of their music, like definitely I could see what you're saying with that. Um I think Screeching Weasel, though, are a weird example of a group that always had that. Like, even if you think of that weird Chicago comp you always bring up mm-hmm. that they're on, it's like there's always their early trajectory is like massively diverse as far as the stuff they were on that wasn't their own releases. Speaking of stuff, Chris, I'm going to need now to do a deep dive on another compilation that's come up <laughs> okay. while looking up Screeching Weasel. Yeah. Another Chicago compilation. What the fuck presents There's a Fungus Among Us compilation? Okay, let me look this up. Ah, uh, where did you find this one? Okay, yeah, I found it. 89, it was released on What the Fuck Records. Okay. Um, look at this lineup. Okay, I don't know. Have you heard Bobo's Tiss before? No. They are fucking incredible. Yeah. 85 to 89 Chicago band, it says here. Yeah. They are they are a wicked band. Um, definitely, you know, melodic, but really rooted in hardcore. I would say, like, you know, like kind of like the heavier side of that Screeching Weasel kind of early stuff. Like, they were the band that had that sound more fully developed and kind of like a little bit more in the Chicago tradition. Of bands, um, yeah, a, a phenomenal band, and then also on this comp, there uh, features the post impulse manslaughter band, uh, also the, uh, features the band Gear, who I think are criminally underrated. Like, yeah, you've talked about that one, I think, before. Yeah, that's seven inches well worth your time if you can track it down. The one thing you missed about the first uh, Bobble Stiffs was that. Is pre Peg Boy. Yeah, it is a pre Peg Boy band. Pre Peg Boy, and then also featured, well, yeah, Naked Raygun, like me- member of Naked Raygun and Younger Brother Joe, formerly an Effigies member, apparently. Was there really in like... that lineup? Well, it says duh, 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 following the split. Oh, no, okay, no. Those yeah, that, those would be learning Peg Boy. They, they exactly. Pegboy was made up of that lineup, not that, but yeah. Yeah, Sorry. like it's it's a great band. Like they did a seven inch and a twelve inch, uh, twelve inches on Roadkill Records, which also put out the aforementioned Boogada Boogada LP and the Punk House seven inch, and put out the FFG's reissue when they did as an LP for the first time, and um, yeah, they put out a lot of cool stuff. Um, but also on this comp, Chris features only the strong. <laughs> again which is <laughs> which is funny because i think of like that idea of the calm only the strong <laughs> well where do you think the fucking name came from chris exactly. click on the name That's... of the band 
Oh, I know. Members. There's only one listed. There's only one that matters, apparently. <laughs> Tony Brummel. Yeah. Uh, from <laughs> Victory, Victory Records Soul. fame. Yeah. Uh, this is his, uh, I guess, first appearance on vinyl. This predates the uh, Only the Strong compilation. 89, yeah. Oh, no, wait, no, but does it predate, I don't know if it does predate his, uh, his, uh, seven inch, the, what was that band? You know this, I, I never know, but I've heard you speak of it before. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that is, uh, what is the band? Well, click on it, doesn't he have anything? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to find it. Uh, that's why this show's so awesome, because it's just so raw. It's not insight. It's uh, no, because they have a different night. It's life cycle. Oh, even score. Even score. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Why did this show up on his discogs? Why did it not? Oh, yeah, it the even score. Sorry, but it doesn't show that. Yeah, weird. It's just no one tagged it. If you gotta, if you gotta update this discogs, this is like a proud achievement this guy had. You know, Victor even reissued the seven inch in the late nineties. The even score seven inch? Yeah. Whoa, oh yeah, it is on here. Nuts. <clears throat> yeah, like it's and it's also there's an amazing version of this record with a full color sleeve printed at the same place that he printed the uh integrity sleeves in. Uh that has no, it's not that version, but it has a letter on the back. That basically says that like they're sick and tired of being ripped off by Action Records, and from now on, it's about Victory Records. <laughs> and, this was a swinging singles reissue. It says early yeah. bird member, or at least there's a limited edition of it. Nice. I've never, uh, yeah, I never for some reason I don't remember this Victory reissue, and I never owned like the original Action Packed Records version. Action Pack is a pre J Tree label. Um, oh, by it? Tim from J Tree. And uh yeah, there's like a couple different versions of this record. Like you can pick up, you know, some of them pretty cheap. Yeah, it's uh it's the limited yeah, it's sleeves cheap. that are hard to get. Yeah, it's a cheap record for the regular version. Yeah. And oh man, I would love to get this other limited sleeve, but it does not look like they've been sold on here. The tour version. Which is faces? <laughs> is that meant to be the band's faces? No. Um, I'm not looking at it, so I'm not sure. Okay, don't worry. Is. Don't worry. You're not missing much. <laughs> You're not missing much. Uh, Either way, yes. How we got down that wormhole, I'm not sure. So that compilation, the, Chris, that uh, amazing okay, comp. Only the strong. Only the strong. I need that comp. No, the Fungus Among Us comp. Yeah, but only the strong on that. Oh, only the strong on that comp. You're right. So okay. who is only the strong was actually like even score life cycle or no, that's a totally different band. I don't know. I don't know enough about this. I'm going to have to call in some Chicago experts yeah, and get them to weigh in on this thing because yeah, it could go either way. Could be, or, or better yet interview the individual the, himself to uh, Tony victory. Yeah. That'd be a cool guest. We could definitely yeah. talk about, you know, putting out uh, that, who let the dogs out song. <laughs> we, can talk about, we can talk about a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Whoa. I'm just looking at the insert for this comp. It's very cool. The, there's an actual only score, only the strong even score. Yeah. So I think it's, or no, is the song, what 
So the only the strong is the song called Even Score? No. Oh. Well, it says it's untitled, but on the insert it says Even Score. Weird. Maybe this is where like it all came together. Which is nuts. Because I'm like, if, he, if they just keep naming things after the other things, that's pretty incredible. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best vibe ever. Well, that is the life cycle. <laughs> well said, well said. Uh, all right. Well, let's, uh, I guess move on to a point. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what to get to based on what we've already talked about. Um, so the VAT, let's just talk about Vatican commandos, I guess, or particularly, sorry, Moby Vatican commandos in the flipper hole ordeal. Were you there? I was not there for that. I was away. I was touring then, but, uh, I wasn't aware that there was an actual in-person thing. I thought they actually said it like flipper, isn't it in the documentary? Even? I don't think it's in the doc. I think it was like at the show that night. Cause I remember they came in and they played a party. I'm going to think it was at the horseshoe after mm-hmm. the movie was over. And I think fucked up was even asked to play at one point. Yeah. So what, what we're referring to for those who perhaps maybe didn't listen to the main interview here, but is that in, I believe it's in American hardcore, right? Where, Moby is being interviewed and mentions he that he played in Flipper in the documentary. I know that much, I believe. Is yeah, correct. yeah, that's in the doc. It's just whether or not, I cannot remember if the Flipper response to it is in or not. But uh, much like Damien recounts in the interview that apparently live they had, they were shouting in disagreement that that was accurate. But I could have sworn I also saw it in something. I don't know if it's in that documentary or just another whatever thing. doc or whatever I saw, but yeah, very similar where they again shot down that idea. Um, and just kind of like how just bizarre that is because whomever's correct, like that's the other person is very like, <laughs> like what, what is going on there? Like I've always thought that was really strange and especially because, you know, even if it's like a gag, because actually, it, it does seem like it would be very flipper to make that a gag. Mm-hmm. Like, to have it be like, oh, no, he actually did, but we're just going to never say it. Yeah, let's just fuck with him. And just make him look like an idiot, like, at all times. But, like, I don't know. At the same time, I don't know why you wouldn't want to validate that also. So it's kind of like a weird, well, you know, I guess maybe there are reasons why. But I just, to me, Moby's reputation is not... So terrible, at least in that era, certainly, that it wouldn't well, be compa- and compared to people in flippers. <laughs> well, or this, sure, I'm not I'm not entirely aware of that, but yes. But uh anyway, just I've always found that very, very strange. So to have your if the your recollection of that show in the screening or whatever, I wasn't aware that, that there was actually something that happened at the screening. Yeah, like I that's how I remember it going down. And now I could be fucked up on this. But I'm pretty sure that's how it went down. That's wild. Um, and they were, they were, yeah, like emphatic that he did not. And Moby to this day, like I interviewed him and he was still emphatic that he did. Like again, that to me this is like your obsession with like uncovering certain connections. Like that's one of this is one of my favorite ones. Like who's who's like who's incorrect here? Who's lying? <laughs> who's lying? I don't even know who's lying. Not, maybe not the right word. Who's just like. You know, who maybe has remembered something wrong. Like, it just seems so bizarre. Yeah, like, it's definitely weird. There were, like, there's some amazing moments in 
music like that, you know, where, you know, like Hulk Hogan claiming that he was going to be a Metallica. <laughs> That's a thing. I wasn't. Yeah. Like Hulk Hogan claims he was going to be the bass player of Metallica. Oh boy. After Cliff Burton passed away. <laughs> it was like a thing. Oh, that like, like, you know, how sick would Metallica be? <laughs> I think they would be exactly the same. <laughs> to be uh, yeah, I think the bass playing would be far less, but they would be exactly the same, i.e. <laughs> as equally unappealing as they are presently. You know all those stories about, you know, Jason uh you know, Newstead getting bullied yeah. by the rest of the band or by certain people in the band? I wasn't I mean, aware of that, but okay. Well not bullied, but maybe just not treated correctly. Sure. And that's what led to his departure. You know, I'm not saying Hulk Hogan's the toughest guy in the world. <laughs> but imagine not treating those pythons correctly. And the leg yeah. drop comes down on you. <laughs> I just, that's hilarious. I'm just trying to imagine that band with that lineup. If you look like uh, Man of War. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, regardless, back, back to the, back to the flipper Moby thing. If I will, I will go on the record with this. If Moby is fabricating that, then I think he's like despicable. <laughs> but but if he's not, then I don't, are Flipper just out of their minds? Like I don't understand who's got that wrong. There were might have been some drugs consumed in that that tour van. But like allegedly. If, if, but he's talking about one show, or he's talking about like a time. In he the says band. he did like a weekend of shows with them. Oh. He got in and did like a couple at least. I'm pretty sure. Like I, I'm not maybe not recollecting this the best, but I'm I've now heard it a couple times in a couple different settings. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure Either that's way, the story. If anybody, speaking of which, I guess this is where we should solicit our faithful listeners. Um if anybody has more <laughs> info on this, please feel free to write in. This is exactly the kind of stuff we like to try and uncover or parse. Uh turn it to punk footnotes at gmail.com. Normally, we like a wrestling angle in there, too, Chris. I don't, but Damien does. I kind of need that a lot of times. Uh, The only wrestling angle I want to hear in 2018, apart from Damien telling me about stuff on the show, is whatever is in relation to West Side Gun, and that's about all I'm into lately. Well, that's what I'm telling you, Chris. Like A lot of really creative, awesome people are inspired by the sweet, sweet art of pro wrestling. <laughs> yes. I'm aware, yes, including yourself. <laughs> you know, inspired me, inspired Jeff Clayton from Anti Scene, inspired West Side Gun, inspired <laughs> Bob Mold, and inspired it's, it's inspired a lot of us. Yeah, I agree. No debate there. You know, it's like the great muse. <laughs> it's like wrestling well, I will give you that it's uh you know, quote unquote, I guess the golden era as it's, I guess, predominantly referred to these days, which would be our form, like my youthful, whatever, adolescent years, childhood, adolescent years of of experiencing wrestling, I do think was extremely formative to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of like the idea of the heel or what that is and, and how that translated into things within culture and including a current presidency as an example. But, um, yeah, I, I I got you there. I don't know why we're pontificating about wrestling, but yeah, because it all comes back to fucking wrestling, Chris. Yes, yes. it doesn't it's always good. come back to soccer. 
No, no, I'll give you that. No, not at all. I'm just kidding. It probably, you know, you can understand global politics, I'm sure, through soccer in a way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I choose to discover it through wrestling. That's how I get my news. <laughs> what uh, What is your next point, my friend? Uh, my next point uh, that I would like to get to would be, um, I guess, Blink-182. All right. And and uh, Chris, did you yeah. have a Blink One Eight Two phase? No, I think we've discussed this on the show, but uh, but we'll we'll go through it again. The uh, I'm going to look up their thing right now because that's a little. So I never got into Blink. The only thing I remember, and it wasn't even early on by any means, but uh, they're on a video comp of one of these. I'm just trying to remember which one it is. I'm looking it up now. Um. Hmm. They're on a video comp of some. Ah, oh, they were on me. Cinema Beer Goggles, I think. M and M. Yeah, maybe it's that one of those kind of comps that had some things on it I liked, and I saw a video of theirs and I was kind of turned off by it. So I never got into yeah. the group. But, you know why? Because um, I think there's a shot of them playing with no shirts on, or I definitely remember much music had a clip of them playing with no shirts on. If I saw a band play with no shirt on, I was like, that's it, I'm out. No, it wasn't a live shot. It was like uh, the context of the video, and, and I can I'm not, again, I don't know a lot about this band. It's, it's just like the them kind of like getting out of like their like beds and like going to, I don't know, eventually rehearse or play. But it was just very, I don't know, just not into it at all. It was very, very like. Oh, I know the song. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, but. I just I was like, yeah, this is not my thing. It just seemed like uh, something I did not enjoy, and so I never got into them. But so I didn't have a phase. I know that. Uh, well, I know a lot of people have and and still like the group, but um, I was never a, a fan of Blink. I, I don't. I don't. I'm indifferent. I don't care. I just never ever got into it. But uh, have you, Dame? What's what's uh, what's your? I did. I did like Cheshire Cat. I do think that was like. You know, I like I knew when that came out that, that was something kind of special, like and like I don't think I was the only one, obviously. And then they went on a huge kind of fame and fortune, but they kinda had this like I don't know, like it was like it was like punk devoid of angst. You know, but yet super fucking angsty. Well, what's funny is I would I one thing I will admit is that for some reason this never resonated with me, but yet I would have like, I didn't mind Gob or something like that when they first came out, which is certainly in the, you know, in the sonic spectrum of something like this. Yeah. So it's you know there was there's I don't know it just there's certain groups that hit you and they that some that don't and this was one that just never did for whatever bizarre reason. I love that first. Day, though, I, I uh, never really got into Green Day either as another example. So I don't know why. Just there I had you know th- this wasn't entirely my bag. I love Cheshire Cat. I think that record's sick. I, I like I, you know, the whole way through, they could write a song, you know, and I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. Because like, even on that first record, you know, they were like a band that was like on this like more obscure label. Like they didn't have the Epitaph cosign or the Fat cosign or even the Hopeless cosign. They had like the Grilled Cheese Records cosign. And you're like, you know, like you knew it from the Cargo catalog. But you're like, what is this label even? And then here's this band that just like wrote these songs that, you know, they built a, a fucking legacy on. 
Yeah, it is kind of funny when you when you frame it that way. It is kind of bizarre that they those songs connected even back then. Well, and even like they, that record does that, and then the next record is the major record, basically. Yeah, um, the first record, that, that, right? And it's like I think a couple years between the two. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Like, yeah, when you when you frame it that way, it is bizarre that they didn't have those associations because you usually saw the even with something like the Offspring or whatever, you saw kind of the you know, um, you know, the trajectory, like the, the typical, like, oh, sort of like a, you know, quote unquote, a major indie or whatever, a big indie to a, whereas I think the, I mean, I, I don't know anything about Grilled Cheese Records, but I'm just going to guess. I'm going to look at, well, I guess they did put it a lot more than I thought, but, but, uh, yeah, now it's a label that I definitely get and like love, but at the time it didn't have that, you know, that's that FDA approved stamp of quality. That was put from the Epifat labels to me. Well, yeah, and you're looking at, you know, a lot of their catalog up until like whatever that first Cheshire Cat thing comes out is pretty like blink centric. And then they start to branch out clearly, seemingly once they get some money or whatever, where they put out a few other records by other bands. Dude, they put out an instead record. <clears throat> well, yeah, exactly. Vision record too. Yeah. But, um, but and uh, naked aggression too. There's a bunch, but like it just seems like they're definitely a group that was clearly bankrolled by the success of that that uh, Cheshire Cat record. Oh yeah, like and then I wonder if it was their label. Hmm, that's a good point. Well, it is. It was know. part of Cargo. But it was part of Cargo. Def- yeah, but it- you look at the earliest things, and it is yeah, like CD promo. Duh, 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 duh. I'm trying to find the sample. Well, there's a false sampler thing that's. I don't know. There's nothing that speaks to. But this that's funny. The sampler is hilarious. It's like a split between Headhunter, Grilled Cheese, and Earth. Well, those were all the labels, right? Yeah. Were they? Under Cargo, I guess. Of that time or whatever. Yeah, weird. But um, I don't remember how we got to this. I. I I'm talking about Blink-182, buddy. I just, no, I knew that, but I mean how we got to that, what we were talking about Blink to get to this. But I think we're just doing a deep dive on the label and just looking mm. at like the label that, that spawned the empire that is Blink-182. I still think it's extremely bizarre that they don't have one of those original members in the group anymore. That drummer? I don't know. Whoever, like, or I guess maybe they had an original different drummer. I don't remember, but... Um, but what's, who's the dude that's gone now? Like one of the, oh, Tom DeLong, he left. Yeah. yeah. Like, I still think that's very strange that they continue without like, cause that, I don't, yeah. Well, just what little I know of the band. It's like people I would think associate like the, th- the threesome or whatever it is, the, the three people that people tend to know. Yeah, you're right. But I think at the same time, like, you know, like that plus 44 band was beloved by people. So it's just like, why not hear the Plus 44 band uh, do Blink-182 songs? <laughs> well, what's that band? I don't even know what that is. That was like the band that uh, Travis and uh, Mark did together. They had a, oh, hit. Okay. They had a couple hits. I see. Um, and, and then that was when Tom went off and did Angels and Airwaves, which to this day... My God, if you want to have a fun time on YouTube, watch some <laughs> of the interview clips leading up to the release of that record. 
That is that is the type of confidence I wish I had about my musical career. I guess the next thing I would say on the back of that, because what little I know of that, I, I do know a little bit as far as like the meme culture we have, <laughs> um, <laughs> is is Tom DeLonge the R. Kelly of this world? Well, like a monster sex offender? No, I don't mean sorry. Not allegedly? Not no, allegedly? Just but allegedly, a, I guess, for the sake of my myself. Just in a, uh, in a, like, in the bravado, like, completely out of their mind about their own, uh, whatever, stature as a performer and a songwriter or whatever. I, I don't know if you want to put that on any. Like, is, 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 like, is Angels and Airwaves the trapped in the closet of this genre? It definitely, you know what I mean? Like, it definitely is, you know, when you feel confident, like, so confident about your record that you're prepared to go and do an interview and talk about how your record, like your record is going to somehow change the world and bring about a new era of human understanding. You, you gotta be on some special shit. Yeah. You gotta be drinking that Kool-Aid at that point. Like, yes. Which is also like, when you think about it, a really horrible expression. So I shouldn't say that anymore. <laughs> yes, it is actually. <laughs> I've been thinking about that a lot lately, and I've been trying to not use that anymore. But it's been a long time. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. But like, you got to be kind of like believing the hype. Yeah. Just anyway, it it's. I just thought about that recently. I thought I, I can't think of anybody else, like in this sort of world, broadly termed, who has that sort of unique R. Kelly-ness about them, as far as like the trapped in the closet ishness of their uh of their general being yeah no there is there is like you know few artists that have really mastered that you know art of of delusional self-confidence in the way that (laughs) r kelly has and and yeah there definitely are you know at the risk of talking badly about people we know um i'm gonna leave it at that for now (laughs) All right, that <laughs> your point was Blake. Uh, let's see what I can go to here. Um, well, we could talk about. There's a lot of little ones. Again, a lot of the groups I've never been a, a, a big fan of, so it's hard for me to talk on some of it. But uh, let's talk about your recent uh, love for Captain Jazz in relation to them bringing it up. Yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, I think that band is like, you know, like that's the problem is like, you kind of get lumped in with the scene you help define, even if you have nothing to do with the scene you help define. And I think cap and jazz are the perfect example of this because, you know, like you, at least maybe it's just me, but like tend to associate them with a certain type of emo music mm-hmm. when maybe stylistically that's what they inspired. But like they are a hundred percent a hardcore band. Oh, okay. I don't know if I'm with you there, dude. But... Have you have you seen them live? No. That live show I got to see of them was transformative. They were so fucking awesome at that show. Cool. I know. Like, I know you were very moved by it because I heard you talk at length. Yeah, like since, but. It was it was one of those shows that I left like, damn that I I completely have to reassess how I look at that band. You know I never and I was never disrespectful to them. I always knew that they had a place, but like 
seeing him alive and and it recontextualized a lot of that stuff for me. Gotcha. Okay, I'm intrigued by this. I didn't think you were gonna go there with it, but okay. Um, because like, what I don't know, like I don't know what I would consider that band. I never got majorly into them, so I don't. <clears throat> I don't know what I would call them anyway, but. I, they're part of that Chicago like weirdness, right? Like that bubbled up in the early nineties. Post hardcore band is what I would probably I would, say. Yeah, post hardcore band, but like the energy is like, like post hardcore to me is much more like what Touch and Go was it, by the late nineties. You know, mm-hmm. like um, like a lot more kind of like the energy was different. You know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I think maybe Joan of Arc would fall into that more, and gotcha, the energy yeah. like in, in the times that I saw Joan of Arc, I think there were way more raging shows, and maybe it was just a terrible day in Toronto that day. Um, but like Cap and Jazz were like, like stage diving and like everyone's finger pointing and screaming along, and it was like, it was like a punk show, you know, and like sonically, like. You know, it didn't sound like Infest, but it did sound kind of like Hated, you know, which or or Husker Du, or like at least in that kind of like world of melodic aggression. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I think it, I think you're hitting on the one part that is that I would agree with, which is that there this era of that kind of music. I think that term. Uh, like emo quote unquote has been so bastardized that people don't even associate it with well with being associated to like any kind of like really aggressive music you know what I mean whereas like that sort of first wave of bands that I feel like embody this I don't know if Captain Jazz would be that per se but at least they seem to be of that mold more than like I don't know whatever late late era bands of this tag carried on so I get what you're saying there. Like I, I I understand that association when you when it wouldn't have been such a terrible thing to to get labeled with it. Maybe not labeled with that, but like well, and it's not even that bad, it's just confining, you know, and it just is yeah. like it reduces something, which I'm guilty of too, you know. Like yeah, sure. but I think at the same time, like they are yeah, they're a band that could appeal to someone that, you know, wants to hear you know, something in keeping with the stuff they would go on to do musically, which is much more in keeping with, with, uh, you know, like a different sort of subgenre of punk rock. But like, I think early cap and jazz stuff, it's like, it fits for me right in line in the trajectory that is like the history of punk hardcore, even on a sonic level. Like there's an aggression there. Like it's a, there's a melodic take on it. And like, definitely, an interesting approach, which I think fascinates me about that band and mm-hmm. would obviously fascinate a lot of people because it would inspire a lot coming out of that. But like, they're still like, you know, minor threat kids. Yeah. I get what you mean. Yep. I, I don't know firsthand on it, but yeah, I, I, I can, uh, I can buy what you're selling on that one. That's one of my favorite shows. I think, still think looking back on it that I've ever been to. That's uh, that's high praise. I had a fun time that night. I had a really, really fun time. And there was like, no weed, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no cannabis to be had. So, <laughs> you know, it was unaided. There were no performance-enhancing drugs when it comes to having a good time. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, 
but I guess like uh, that's that's it for that point. Uh, next point. Yeah, I don't know uh, much of what to go on here, and I'm winding down. I think my, we're uh, good. I think we're good. Life on my phone. Here. <laughs> you and me, unfortunately, did a whole podcast before any of these people got to hear it because we got so excited and talked about stuff that we can't talk about on air. Yeah, some stuff we talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah, like and I'm not like it wasn't that in a bad way. It's just like no, yeah, yeah. You know, certain topics that we have that uh, you know, it's, it's better not to share them. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, some people aren't ready for the uh, the 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 uh, the dirty laundry side of this, the TMZ side of this podcast. <laughs> I know not of what you speak, but go exactly, on. exactly. Nor do I, Chris. Nor do I. Speaking of which, if you have any hot gossip or hot news, send it to turn to the punk footnotes at gmail dot com. Find me on various forms of social media at Left for Damien. Uh, uh, yeah, and we will uh, see you next week. Uh, next week, Shauna Porter from the band War on Women. It's a fucking awesome episode. And yeah, we'll go from there. Awesome, everyone. Thank you for listening. Bye.